I'll try that again. Good morning. I'm going to follow Hector's lead, see if I can outdo him. Uh, the colonel does send his uh, regrets not being able to be here. Uh, if you recall from his speaking last uh, year, if you've seen the colonel speak, uh, you probably witnessed one of the more accomplished extemporaneous speakers, I think, on the planet. He's unbelievable. So here I stand before you all as the Derek Jeter replacement, <laughs> trying to fill in for somebody who's so amazing uh, and represents our organization so well. And when he threw that out there to the other four lieutenant colonels, like, hey, can, who can take this, this mission on? I, I immediately responded, I got it, sir. And uh, to which he said, hey, Chris, this is uh, Tuesday when he notified Hector couldn't make it. He goes, you might want to leave now. Because I live in South Jersey, <laughs> south of Philadelphia. And uh, it was a long ride up here. Um, and I knew that going into it. But it's just such a unique opportunity. When I looked up, you know, the organization, I saw what it does. Um, a fraternity of people that can, men that can get together and share experiences and look out for one another. Uh, we need more of that uh, in society, especially a group that focuses in on sharing the word of Christ and, and, and fraternity amongst one another. Because as men, you know, we do need that support. You know, I come from an industry uh, that has a very high suicide rate. And we are very concerned with that. And we are developing peer assistance groups where we help one another engage in this type of activity. Not to this scale, but it's a model for me to bring back to my people, seeing what you all are doing here this morning, to help further that mission that I have, uh, which is making sure that the people that work for me, with me, and above me are protected. So when I looked at your uh, motto, live pure, speak truth, right wrong, and follow the king, that is an incredible vision statement for an organization. It's very meaningful to me to hear that that is the ethos of these great men. And, uh, you know, if, if we start as a, around as a, just a, a guiding principle, utilizing those type of words, I think as a society will be better. You know, we can overcome a lot of the challenges we see and the divisions we see within, you know, our communities nowadays if we look you know, to the church, to our fellowship and friends, uh, and look at one another as human beings that we need to help, you know, further in this world today. And part of what I know that we need to do as an organization, the Jersey State Police, is, is mentorship. Now, by way of background, uh, for myself, I grew up uh, in relatively modest, you know, living. Uh, I was on welfare as a young man uh, growing up in a very poor neighborhood, and we really relied heavily upon social assistance. And when I was very young, people asked me, why'd you get in law enforcement? I tell this story. Uh, my mom and I had went to the food store. At the time, there was something called food stamps. I don't know if you guys remember that, but we were on it. You can go to the you know, supermarket and utilize these coupons to buy no-frills items. Uh, and coming from that store, as we were walking out, uh, right in front of me, I was about five years old, my mom got mugged by two young men, way bigger than her. She's about f under five foot tall, under 100 pounds. And they were trying to take her purse from her. And this woman wouldn't give it up. And I just sat there frozen, you know, couldn't move, watching it all happen. And she fought like a lion not to give up that purse. They eventually relented and just ran off into the night. And I remember her yelling at them as she ran away. There's nothing in there anyway. And I'm like, why don't you give up the purse, mom? 
Um, but to her, that was, it was something all she had, you know. And, you know, when I think about that moment, you know, feeling, you know, weak, not being a whole mom, but I was only five. I mean, what could I really do? But it resonated with me that, you know, I need to help people, you know, the little person that can't defend themselves. And that was kind of one of my guiding principles in getting into law enforcement. But, you know, as I moved through, you know, those progressive steps, getting into, you know, this career path I've chosen, you know, enlisting in the Marine Corps to try and get money for college, because at the time you had to have a college degree to get the state police. You know, doing all these things, like building up my resume to get into this wonderful organization that I've been so blessed to be a part of. Um, I started to, you know, really reflect on what my mission was. Was it to lock up bad guys? Or is it really more about public safety? And I thought back to those two young men who tried to steal my mom's purse, who I was kind of angry at. And I was like, I want to catch those guys so they don't do it to somebody else. And, you know, as I moved further in my career, I began to say, hey, you know what? If you looked at us, you know we didn't have anything. How desperate were those two guys? You know, that they were willing to rob a, a woman in front of her child. How bad was their situation that they had to resort to such actions? And throughout my career, I've locked up some bad guys, but I've also tried to do other actions to help pay it forward. You know, talking to kids about looking for good mentors. I'm sure many of you do that, whether it's through coaching, uh, an athletic event, or just through, you know, the gospel, talking to, you know, one another and children. Being a good, positive mentor is just so important in this day and age. And I don't think we see enough of that. And it's something I've really put a good focus on trying to lead by example, because that's my responsibility as a public safety professional. I still have to enforce the laws, I do all that stuff, but I have to also commit a good portion of my career to making sure I'm being a good role model for people in my community and outside of it, uh, and ultimately, you know, trying to prevent crime through proactive measures. And I think it was kind of mentioned earlier, you know, some of the, the responses, you know, that I've been called out to. Um, I've learned a lot from those experiences. And it's remarkable when you're pulling up to somebody's home in an army vehicle and backing up to their second story and unloading them out of their second story window into the back of a, you know, a big army vehicle, rescuing them. You know, all the division, political, religious, whatever, otherwise that goes out the window. A lot of people find Jesus then at that moment. Uh, and I'm glad they found him and glad that I was there to help. Um, but ultimately, you know, why should we always have to wait for something bad to happen for us to get to that perspective? We have to be, you know, of that mindset every day, you know, because society needs that, I think, in this day and age. So what I profess to a lot of the young troopers that I interact with is find those opportunities. You know, when someone offers up this opportunity to go speak to some great people and share the word of the Lord, jump on it, no matter if it's a three-hour drive or a two-minute walk outside your front door. Look for that opportunity. After disasters, you know, up in northern New Jersey, after Hurricane Ida hit a few years ago, you know, I took a group of people into Newark, New Jersey, and we were gutting houses. And it was remarkable how I could look in their eyes and see that rewarding experience of helping those less fortunate than yourself.
And these are troopers that go out and lock up bad guys and, and, and uh, you know, catch criminals on a daily basis. But then you take them and you throw them into that environment where they're gutting out the home of somebody who's just had everything they've lost, every personal possession destroyed by a flood. And we had a couple people pull up to us on the street, you know, hey, what are you guys doing here? They saw our state police logos on our hats. So we're helping, you know, this family, you know, rebuild their home. And uh, those young men said they didn't know we did that type of stuff. I said, we've been doing it. This is just your first time seeing it, and we're going to keep doing it. And that, in turn, forges a bond with that community, one that's irreplaceable, one that we have to work at every day within this discipline of ours, because we're one bad video out there of getting on the news of losing it all. And the only way we can overcome that is on those blue sky days, going out and doing that positive work. Just like many of you do, probably in your personal lives. It's something I think we as an organization are really beginning to focus a great deal on because of Colonel Callian's leadership and, and me and people like myself believing in that message and that effort uh, as valid in what we all need to do. And I, I tell you, it's making a difference. There have been some untoward incidents. All this stuff now is, is caught on cameras, whether it's some uh, officer from a local agency doing something bad, whether it's in the state or many, many states away. Uh, that stuff gets out there, and we have the support of our religious communities, partners, our other community partners in these urban areas to say, you know what? Those, those cops in New Jersey, they're not like that. Or that's maybe just one bad cop in New Jersey. They're not all like that. They're good people. We see them in our communities doing these positive things, taking the time out of their day uh, to go out and engage, you know, in a positive manner. And it it's kind of falls back on really what we are. By title, by civil service title, I am a public servant. Many of you in this room probably are as well. It's actually built into the name of what we do, serving others. And that's something I think Jesus espoused. Many of you espouse as well. You know, service of others. Uh, any military veterans in the room? Again, service of your country. You know, God Country Corps was one of our ethos in the Marine Corps. And that, to me, was something I hold very dear. You know, willing to, you know, sacrifice, you know, so much uh, for others to protect this great nation. Um, it, it really does mean a lot to me to have that title of servant because I am, by definition, a servant leader. And I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, but it's starting to gain a lot of respect within the, um, the financial community uh, as being the new leadership model. You know, gone are the days of kind of the top-down model of leadership. And if you look at this triangle on my sleeve, you see the way it's pointed. And the way I talk to all of our troopers and civilian employees, I say this triangle represents how we're supposed to represent the community. Right at the bottom here, the very point is the Colonel of the New Jersey State Police, Pat Callahan. His job is to support and serve those above him, myself, and the other four Lieutenant Colonels. Our job is to support those people above me. And all the way up through the organization, to the top of this triangle, that big flat part, is the community. They're our customer base. We have to provide superior customer service or we lose that client. 
And that means, you know, not just we lose a sale. That means we lose a connection with a community that needs to be forged every day throughout our careers. Because if we lose them, uh, we've lost the game entirely. It's, it's so hard to achieve respect. It's very easy to lose. And I think this group in particular understands that as business and community leaders. Um, you, you don't get those opportunities very often. So, you know, again, we, we try and encourage those people to find ways to go out and engage their communities. And it's looking into, you know, other options. Having troopers plant trees, not something that they went through the academy to do. But it's what I have my guys do in the urban areas, because it makes a difference. Just seeing, you know, a public safety professional out there doing such a thing as putting a tree in the ground out in front of somebody's house, they'll eventually provide shade to a young child one day, perhaps. That sense of uh, not just an urban, you know, um, desert, you know, there's something natural in that environment that might inspire people to paint a picture, to write a poem, um, and, and ultimately know that, you know, you care enough about that community that you're really willing to put shovel to ground and plant something that will be meaningful, that will last a long time, that will grow roots in that community and be something that they can rally around and hang Christmas tree lights on and other things to kind of represent, you know, that sense of community that sometimes uh, we get lost in. I mentioned uh, earlier, you know, I use uh, service, you know, and to encourage, you know, troopers, but one of the things I've helped do through a, a program we call peer assistance. Like I have troopers that have my number and can call me whenever. And I'm not a therapist, I'm not a suicide counselor, but I'm just someone who's an active listener that can hopefully guide those persons in their darkest hours to the right resources. And it's seeing pretty resounding success at reducing our suicide rate uh, within our organization, which was you know, getting up there for a little while. One of the things that when I talked to someone, uh, and just was on a call last night with a, a young man who was struggling through some issues, um, I kind of conveyed to them to get involved in service. You know, I pulled them out into events, going out to community food banks, helping those less fortunate than yourselves. It's remarkable that the healing power that that has uh, for those individuals. You know, the fact that they really genuinely feel good you know, when they go out and engage in those activities, it is making a difference within our organization at reducing, you know, the, the threat and harm caused uh, by stresses related to this job. Because some of these people go home, they watch the news, or they hear comments from individuals, uh, you know, who aren't happy with law enforcement, uh, and, and they take it to heart, as if every human being out there has that perspective. And it's very hard, you know, uh, on them emotionally, physically. Um, so, you know, we utilize that as a resource to help steer them in the right direction. Me personally, you know, one of my jobs, uh, I don't know if Hector mentioned it, um, besides doing hurricane rescue work, uh, was I spent about 15 years on the state's full-time tactical team. Uh, kicking a lot of doors in some urban areas, you know, serving warrants, locking up some very bad people. Um, that's why I commit to service in those urban areas, to help you know, give back, you know, make sure that those communities know that we're not just there to enforce the laws, but we're there to help support them. The other assignment for that particular unit is scuba diving search and rescue. 
uh, we used to have to go out and recover individuals who drowned in local, water, local bodies of water in the state of New Jersey. And uh, that's a very emotionally taxing job to recover you know, a human being uh, who's expired to drowning. And the toughest ones were kids. So one of the things that I've done personally, sounds corny, but every other week, uh, if you're ever down the Camden Aquarium, you know, uh, I dive there. Uh, and we do maintenance on the, the big tank, and I talk to kids. You know, uh, we have a little dive, meet the diver show. And every dive show, what I do is I talk to those children about the importance of swimming with a friend, making sure if you're not a strong swimmer to wear a PFD. Um, you know, work on those swimming skills so that you're, you're safe if you happen to enter a body of water. And I don't know what impact it's had, but I always thought to myself, you know, if there would be one less kid out there, just one, that another trooper didn't have to die for, another family didn't have to bear the loss of, another community didn't have to struggle with, you know, losing that child, uh, that would make all the difference in the world. And going out there for the past five years, every other week, you know, and speaking, you know, to that, is, is something I think that I try and, you know, advise other people of. Because, you know, it's, it's a long game, it's a marathon, this type of stuff. You know, you'll never know a lot of the impact of our actions that we take. But if we don't make the effort, don't even try, uh, that's the loss, in my opinion. I think, um, I think that speaks to all of us here within this room. We have to, you know, know the way, go the way, and show the way to others. And um, that's something, um, you know, organizationally, I know Colonel Callahan espouses, and a lot of our partners uh, within this community need to start taking, you know, engagement on. Because those opportunities are few and they're fleeting, and if not exercised, uh, ultimately can be detrimental to uh, our growth as a discipline. You know, I'm going to get wrapping up soon, I think. So, uh, and I did want to open up the questions uh, at the end of this because I got a lot of really good questions out in the lobby. Uh, so I'm sure there's quite a few more in here. Uh, and I, so I'm going to cut it a little bit short, but I really did like um, some of your, your guidance and principles. All men are welcome. I think that that's important. You know, that the diversity of perspective of backgrounds, as you mentioned earlier, that's really important. You know, if we just surround ourselves with people that are like us, you're going to really miss out, I think, on uh, engagement and a perspective that you might not enjoy otherwise. So I think that's a great principle. A safe place. Uh, what's happened, you know, what happens here stays here. You know, on the tactical team, there's a sign on our door. And it says basically three, a couple simple principles. You know, what you see here, what you say here, what you hear here. When you leave here, let it stay here. That's really important for groups like this. You have to feel comfortable knowing that what you might say in this space is safeguarded. And that, in turn, can help healing processes. You know, if, if it was going to get out that, hey, you know what, you know, Chris over there, he's really uh, thinking about hurting himself. I don't think it's a good idea. You know, um, and you're, you're spreading that word around. That would make someone less likely you know, to volunteer that information. And that, you know, again, from a peer assistance standpoint, uh, is really important. 
So I, I really do appreciate, you know, that. Meeting on neutral ground, you know, having a flat organizational model, even though Matt's in charge, um, it, it does make sense too. There's no competitiveness to be that, that top dog. You know, we had that same ethos also on that SWAT team. You know, we had rank within that structure, but everybody was on the first name basis. That's something our experiences with military special forces kind of taught us very early on, that everyone's equal, you know, in that crisis. And if you don't have that perspective where, you know, somebody feels like they're higher than someone else, uh, that in turn could lead to issues, you know, down the road. So again, love that, that, that model that you all put forth. And, you know, the fact that this is open, you know, to others, there's no secret handshake, no secret symbol that I'm aware of. Um, that to me is, is another very uh, positive aspect of groups like this. So um, I, I kind of got a little bit long-winded on, on some of this stuff. I only got, I think, five minutes left. And uh, I do like hearing uh, questions from groups like yourselves because it helps me, you know, grow my organization better by hearing from you all. Um, so please, without further ado, I got five minutes left. I'm going to open it up to questions. And uh, I'll repeat the question, and then uh, we'll go from there. Thank you. Thank you for your service. Thank you for keeping our country safe, our state safe, all of us safe. You know, the, the media never tells us that men like this are in charge. And when you read his bio, 880 people report in to this man. That is an unbelievable amount of people. And really, we are just grateful for what you do every single day. And um, so thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, um, questions, Bill. adapt and overcome right uh, what do you do to when you meet somebody in crisis to tell them about the hope that you have and and to adapt and overcome how do you uh, communicate that excellent no that's a great question um, it's it's always an evolving target because one of the skill sets that they teach us is that for that person in crisis is just engage active listening techniques Many people just need somebody to talk to. And that's why I said it was so important, you know, some of your organizational, you know, principles here of what you hear here, let it stay here kind of thing. Um, and having a fellowship of people you can trust and feel comfortable talking to, that's, that's the challenge, right? Now, I'm a lieutenant colonel in the state police. And I get out and just try and visit everyone and, and be as approachable as possible. And it's a challenge within a paramilitary organization. But I know I've been successful when last night, you know, a young trooper called me up. I just got done an American Legion meeting, um, part of American Legion down south, and this young man called me up. And he felt comfortable enough to talk to me. And I think that's derived from just going out, engaging with people on first name basis, um, and, and trying to be like the colonel I can't be like him. The guy has, if he met everyone in this room, he would remember your name, he'd remember your children, he'd remember what you did for a living. 
it's, it's a, a skill set that I, I can't ever achieve. But that's the, the caliber of person he is. And that personal connection that he forges uh, through that process is remarkable. I try and do my best to do that. Um, and as I said before, some of the improvisation, once I get that connection with somebody, you know, I start to, you know, steer them to the right resources if you need to. And then hopefully I get them engaged in a service project. One of the toughest things I've had to do through this process, which is new, and I, I can't say I innovated it because we're taught this in some of the active listening courses, is you have to ask somebody, are you thinking about killing yourself? That's a tough question to ask. I've had to ask it a few times, and it's hard. It's really hard to just utter that to another human being and then read them. And if they say yes, ask them, if they, how are you going to do it? I never would have thought to do that before. You, I would have danced around that topic and tried to talk about positive stuff. But some of the training indicates and the research indicates ask them that question and then ask them if they have a means to do it. And if they have a clearly defined, you know, thought out method, that person needs help immediately. You have to get them to assistance immediately. And because every trooper is issued a firearm. So you need to make sure you can address that factor first and foremost. Um, but that's, that's something, you know, I, I've had to, you know, adapt to. Um, and the improvisation part is just getting them engaged in service projects. It's something I picked up from a military foundation called the Travis Manion Foundation. They take veterans who have PTSD and Gold Star families who have lost a loved one, and they take them out to Guatemala to go build a house. And you're like, you're gonna make this person build a house? They just lost their kid. But the psychological reward of helping others and doing it in the name of your lost loved one, or you know, maybe for you know, that, that, that military soldier's experience has, has been proven to be extremely effective. So that's, that's, uh, that's my, my approach, Bill. Thank you, sir. That's a great question. Other questions? Well, I can't believe uh, it, Mike. <laughs> Sorry, it's not so much a question as an observation, but um, what, I, what I was thinking of as you were sharing was that um, really the, the church is not that much of a different organization than what you deal with. We basically have a bad reputation with the community. All we care about is your money, you know what I mean, and, uh, or whatever it is. And the more that we get involved in service projects, the more that we are out in the communities feeding people, clothing people, helping people, visiting people in prison, which, which I love being a part of this brotherhood because most of the guys here are involved in service of that nature or, or some other nature that, that helps us to establish that relationship. We want to establish a relationship with the community. We want to serve the community so that we can then have the right to share the gospel with them. And so, um, so it's a very similar paradigm. And uh, it was just, it was good to, to, to hear you share that because that's, and oh, the other thing was, was that, you know, Jesus was the ultimate servant leader. That's what he modeled. Yeah. So that's who we follow. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, from the church perspective, I know we're at, I'm sorry, Matt, we're at 755. But, no, uh, no, we're good. We're okay. Good. Um, but I, I share that expect, and we need to engage more with those religious institutions of all faiths. Um, because uh, the, the connection that you have with the community is so forged uh, and bonded that we need to take advantage of that and, and take opportunities like this to be in front of you and, and vice versa too. And we work, uh, the Colonel is on uh, you know, a, a prayer call every morning with 
all the religious, you know, institutions in the state that are part of that program. Uh, Hector's a part of that. Pastor Lou sends me a text message every morning, uh, you know, to inspire me. And, uh, you know, Father uh, Mike, you know, has been great as well. And, you know, there's supposed to be a separation between church and state. And I don't know that you can necessarily do that in certain realms. We need to leverage that experience and share with all religions, you know, um, what we can do to help them and what they can do to help us as an organization. So thank you, Mike. That's a good point. We're going to take one more. Mike. <laughs> oh. We're only taking questions from Mike's today. And Bill. Sorry, Bill. <laughs> uh, thanks for being here. Thanks for your service. And uh, my question is, it's probably very too broad, but um, you talked about why you were attracted to the force and what brought you there, what motivated you. Um, I'm just curious how recruiting in general looks within your force and are, are you part of getting the message out of what we're doing and how we're doing it? And, you know, what kind of people are you attracting, I guess? And uh, no. j just any thoughts on recruitment? It's, it's a great question. Recruiting's down and um, remarkably down. When I first applied for the state police, it was over 30,000 applicants. We're lucky to get a few thousand nowadays. It's down so much so, again, and that was with a four-year degree being one of the requirements. We have 30,000 applicants. Um, and for what I consider to be the most amazing job on the planet, I've been so blessed, you know, throughout my career to have been able to travel, as you heard, to, you know, go help people during disasters, whether it's Puerto Rico, Houston, North Carolina. Um, I've been to three Super Bowls to help do security assessments. Never in a million years did I ever think I'd go to one. Uh, uh, and, you know, I literally come into work every day and find ways to help people not just through you know, engagement outreach like this, but the New Jersey Office of Management, uh, New Jersey Office of Emergency Management is run by the New Jersey State Police. We rebuild infrastructure after storms. We help you know, communities get back on their feet. It's a really awesome you know, you know, opportunity for our organization. And when you see these recruiting numbers being so low, it's alarming. And my job, uh, you know, I don't, we have a recruiting unit, but my job is to get out in front of people and hope maybe, you know, I, I got some, some names where I got to follow up. I passed my number out to try and talk to some children. I said, have this kid give me a call. I'll tell him how good this job is. How many, there's over 120 different jobs. You want to be a helicopter pilot? You want to help rebuild infrastructure as an emergency manager? You want to be a SWAT team guy, a canine handler? You know, we have so many different opportunities um, that people should be fighting for this job. And I found out recently, you know, we're actually going to reduce the education requirements to no college education at all. Because we are struggling to, you know, meet a certain number. We want diversity within this organization. It makes us richer. It makes us more engaged with our communities if we represent the communities we serve. But, you know, there is a lot of mistrust, I think, within minority communities. So all those activities I mentioned to you before in those communities like Newark, Irvington, Camden, which I go to pretty regularly, you know, that's part of the effort uh, to let them know, you know, this is really a good job and to consider it as, you know, a career um, and something, you know, you can really do something meaningful uh, for your community. But great, great question. 
Uh, and I, I'm here to, you know, if you want to take down my number, if you need me to talk to a friend, family member, uh, or other individual, you know, that is in your atmosphere and you think that we'd be good for this job, that can do this type of stuff, um, I'd be more than happy to talk to them personally. So, again, thank you. Thank you. So. <laughs> So, um, quick takeaway here. It's very easy. Um, all of you probably got it, but if you want to be a leader, this is an example of a leader leading with compassion, leading with being a mentor, um, and most of all, just leading by example. And it's really great having you here today. Um, for those of you who are first timers here, um, well, I can definitely say I'm glad I'm not the speaker next week because who could follow this, right? And so um, those of you that are first timers, we're glad you're here. Please come back next week. We'll let you introduce yourselves, um, but we need to, to close out. So if you're okay with us, we're gonna pray for our brother here um, because in, in a position like he is in, there's a target on his back. The target is not the bad guys, it's the target of the enemy. And because the enemy does not wanna see success like this. The enemy does not wanna see great men of God reaching out and doing things like this man does and all of the people that report to him and all the other people that keep our country secure every single day. So um, in speaking of prayer, before we pray, if you are feeling like you need prayer, do not be embarrassed. No one's gonna judge you. Rich Van Houten, wherever you are, please raise your hand or stand up. You can go see Rich, you can see me after, whoever you want, um, we'll pray with you, we'll pray for you. It's gonna stay between us. So Father, we just thank you. Thank you for this man of God. Thank you for who he is and, and what he does. Lord, we just ask, even as Jabez prayed, oh, Lord, that you would bless him indeed, that you would increase his sphere of influence, that you would, um, you would expand his territory, that you would keep him and his family safe and free from harm. Lord, that you would protect him, that you would send angels surrounding him, that the blood of Jesus would just cover him. Lord, even that you would have a wall of fire protecting him uh, from behind against all of the enemies that would try to attack both spiritually and physically, even as you protected the Israelites as they left Egypt. Father, we thank you for our time here. Thank you for these men that are here. Lord, that you would keep us all safe, that you would protect us all and our families, and that this message this morning would resonate deep with, deeply within each of us, that we would be leaders, that we would honor you in all that we do, and that we would remember that even when nobody's watching, someone is always watching help us lord with our character building because we need your help we know you're more interested in building our character than our comfort and it's in jesus's mighty name that we pray amen god bless you guys see you next friday morning